0: It's Friday, October 2nd. Welcome to a new episode of Bazaar. I'm your host Sid and with me today is Rishab Khanna, my friend and Rishab has been working in the AMC industry for the past 4.5 years. He has considerable knowledge of the mutual fund industry, of the in and outs of asset management companies and the first person that came to my mind when I heard about UTI AMC's IPO was Rishab Khanna. So, welcome to the show, buddy. It's great to have
1: you. Hey, hi, Siddharth. Thank you for having me on your podcast and for these kind words. Looking forward to doing justice to our discussion today.
0: So, let's get cracking on the show. You know, we will be talking about UTI AMC's IPO and we will analyze the business of the AMC industry, you know, not only of UTI AMC, but the competitors as well. And we will try to paint out a very long-term picture of the company. So we, we are not concerned with the listing gains. We want to find out, you know, whether this company is a long-term buy or, you know, what, what's the business model. And just to give you an update, UTI AMC's offer closed yesterday and was subscribed around 2.3 times, which is a very, I think it's a pretty low number given that the current IPO frenzy that is going on and If you are interested not only in the listing gains, but you know, also in the business and the AMC industry, then this show is just for you. We'll also run the company through six parameters and we'll see whether the company passes the test. But first, let's go back in time. UTI AMC has been in business for around 55 years. That's a really long time. The company's got a rich history, isn't it? I completely
1: agree with you, Siddharth, on this point. UTI was established in the year 1963 by the government. It launched its first scheme, US 64, which was one of the important schemes in the financial service industry in India. That deserves a separate podcast in itself. (laughs) So what happened was uh, UTI launched their schemes And they enjoyed a virtual monopoly till 1987. So right from uh, 1964 to 1987, they had a virtual monopoly. In 1987 came SBI and a few other banks, uh, which were primarily the public sector banks. So they entered into the foray of the asset management industry. With 1993 came the new mutual fund regulations. With the mutual fund regulations coming into the picture, a lot of AMCs entered into the industry, some of the names being ICICI, Nippon set up its asset management company in the year 1996, I suppose. And actually, the AMC, which we all talk about and which we all admire, that is the HDFC AMC, was established in the year 2000, which was actually led to the party of the asset management industry.
0: Wow. I mean, no wonder that the talk of HDFC AMC commands such premium because in just around what, like 15, 17 years, it has become the second largest AMC in in India, isn't it? Exactly. I completely buy a point. In fact, it was at the number one
1: position for a large number of years. Uh, And as recently as last year, it has been dropped to the second position with SBI taking its position. So the growth story of HDFC AMC has been fantastic.
0: And coming back to UTI AMC, I I remember, you know, around the year 2002, there was some sort of breakup in the, in the company. Like, can you tell us about that?
1: Exactly. In fact, in the year, uh, so it was Feb 2003, where they decided what they are, uh, what they're going to do is they're going to bifurcate UTI into UTI asset management company, the company, which we know today and bifurcate their assured return schemes, the US 64 schemes into another entity. So the asset management company, the UTI company that we know as of today was actually formed in the year 2003.
0: Mm, and they've taken their sweet time to get listed, isn't it?
1: Exactly. In fact, listing has been one of their main priorities since they ventured into a separate entity. They have tried multiple times to get it listed. Uh, some sometime way back in the year 2007 8, when there is a global recession hit, they had to postpone their plans.
0: Okay, so this is not the first time that UTI AMC is coming out with a listing. I I did not know that that's really interesting. Okay. So the history is good. I I agree because you know, a lot of people might not know this, but yeah, like UTI AMC has been in business for the past 55 years. I've not heard of this company, like uh, not in a big way. I know that UTI is a, is a company in the mutual fund industry, but I did not know that it had such a rich history behind it. So, you know, what we're going to do now is we're going to run this talk through some parameters that we selected and I'll just tell you the parameters. So the first parameter is going to be the company's competitive advantage. We'll just analyze the, what Warren Buffett calls as the moat. Second parameter will be the future potential of the company and of the industry as a whole. Our third parameter is going to be the customers of the company, how reliant they are on the company what is the revenue model of the company is it is it a recurring revenue model and who are the customers of the company our fourth parameter which is very important is the quality of the management which is you know basically governed with steering the company in the right direction our fifth parameter will be financials the balance sheet pnl cash flow statement we'll check how you know how good the numbers are and the most important parameter the sixth one is the valuation of the company so, Rishab, before we dive into these parameters, I think it would be important that we explain some key terms related to the AMC industry. Okay.
1: Uh, so, the asset management industry, one of the main terms that the listeners should know about is the asset under management. So, asset under management signifies the assets for which the AMC gives the advisory fees on which they earn management fees. So, that is their revenue source. And management fees is charged on the percentage of their AUM.
0: And uh, this is how they incur uh, their revenue. So I've, I've not really heard of this company like in, in a big way, you know. So does this company have any competitive advantage? You know, what what is the moat over here? So Siddharth, coming to the moat,
1: first of all, UTI, uh, we being the younger generation would not be too aware of their products. But if you can ask your parents, if you can ask your grandparents, they would certainly be aware of UTI. And, may, and I would be amazed if they wouldn't have invested in one of their schemes, being it a mutual fund or their ULIP or any other uh, financial product that they had to offer. They had a virtual monopoly for 20 years. They had the first movers advantage in the asset management industry the asset management industry started in India because of them. So the obvious benefit that they had was the first movers advantage. They have a very fantastic distribution network because when you have the first movers advantage, you can build up on the distribution network and uh, you can reach to places where other AMCs don't even think of. Normally our, our AM is quite restricted to the top 10 cities, top 30 cities. They have a deep presence, which has been due to their legacy, due to which they have presence in uh, various uh, tier two, tier three cities also. So the two modes that they have is the brand name in itself and the reach that UTI as a company have.
0: Yeah, but I agree that, you know, it's been a very, like it's a legacy company and it's been like operational for a long time, but even after the first mover advantage, it still is the seventh largest asset management company in India in terms of AUM. So, you know, how did HDFC, AMC, Nippon AMC get so far ahead of UTI AMC? What did UTI, you know, where did UTI miss the trick over here? Sure.
1: So for me to explain this point, how did the industry develop? I'll give you some data points. So. In the year March two thousand three, which was after UTI was separated into two companies, uh, the industry AUM was close to around eighty thousand crores, and UTI had seventeen percent market share. HDFC and Reliance had eight to three percent market share, and UTI was the first player. Obviously, they had the first mm. most advantage. Then, if we move on to two thousand ten, then the industry AUM went to seven and a half lakh crores. UTS still had 80,000 crores and had an 11% market share. HDFC also had 88,000 crores and a 12% market share. And Reliance was the leader. So UTI in the year 2010 was the fourth largest asset management company. Hmm. Now if we move ahead to March 2020, a decade has passed by. The industry has grown tremendously. The average assets are 25 lakh crores. UTI grows from 80 lakh crores to 1,34,000 crores hdfc on the other hand has increased from 88000 crores to close to 340000 crores wow reliance on the other hand has increased from 110000 to 184000 crores so they in the decade from 2010 to 2020 uti slipped from fourth position to seventh position now coming back to as latest as july august where The assets of the industry were 27.5 lakh crores. STFC maintains its uh, market share. UTI loses another spot. So Access AMC has taken over UTI for the 7th position and UTI has actually uh, dropped down to the 8th position. So that is how their market share has progressed. They have constantly lost market share in the industry which has increased from 79,000 crores of AUM in the year 2003 to close to 27.5 lakh crores AUM.
0: Yeah, I mean, also a reason for this is I I feel that, you know, UTI in its essence is a government company and like most government companies, right, they are probably not very quick to change. So from a competitive point of view, I think, you know, it faces intense competition from the likes of SBI, HDFC, Nippon AMC. And in the past 20 years, it has consistently lost market share. So there is something that these guys need to figure out. Otherwise, going forward. If they keep losing market share in this way, it does not look good, does it?
1: While I agree to your point, because effectively in the year 2003, the revised entity, which was UTI asset management company that we know today was sponsored by SPI, PNB, BOB and LIC. So this in fact was sponsored by the government entities, which later had an international player by the name of T row price, where they invested in the company So, to answer your question, whether it's a government company as such or not. The sponsors are government company, but it kind of effectively worked as an asset management company and not completely as a government company.
0: Hmm. Okay. So from a, from a competitive point of view, there's a lot of pressure and we'll just have to see if UTI can catch up to the competition and moving to our next parameter, which is the future potential of the company and of the industry. So tell us something about the, you know, the potential of the industry. We, we know that the mutual fund industry is extremely underpenetrated, but like everyone I know is investing in mutual funds, how much of a growth is there in the industry and how much of it can be, you know, captured by UTI AMC.
1: Uh, So to answer your question, first of all, yes, the industry is growing and in the last decade, it has been booming. I would say 19-20% is the average growth rate that the industry has had. So the growth in industry has been tremendous. There has been a shuffle around with the market leaders according to their market share, which I explained. The industry as if you see India as a market, we are good savers. But if you ask us, do we invest money in the correct way? the answer to it is no if you ask the exposure of an average household to equity it is tremendously low as if even if you compare it with something like gold real estate which were the traditional safe haven investment options hmm. so the growth trajectory is tremendous if you ask me there have been estimations that in the next next decade this 27 and a half lakh crore will go to a, a figure close to 100 lakh crore so that wow. is something that is something which is a very big figure and to achieve that there is obviously uh, going to be participation from the retailer which are the investors obviously from the institutional clients to park their money and the growth trajectory is there it is just which amc captures the market share is going to turn out the winner because the com- market here is fiercely competitive As you could have already seen the market leadership changes. So when the market leadership changes, it is an ultra competitive market and to survive and to sustain the market share is something which uh, the asset management companies have to
0: focus on. So do you think UTI AMC could be a very big beneficiary from this growth, like from 25 lakh crore to hundred lakh crore, how much of a beneficiary would UTI AMC be like, would it be able to capture a greater percentage of that or, you know, the AUM is going to be stagnant according to you.
1: Sure. So to answer this question, we'll have to dig deep into a few data points which we normally use to analyze an asset management company. Just to uh, touch upon a few data points is uh, UTI, being a first mover advantage, still has the highest number of folios in the mutual fund industry. Uh, If you ask by rank, it is 8th. But by folios, it is the largest, followed by HDFC. So what does that signify? On one side, you can say UTI has got the most number of investors, so they are in a good position. But what you have to see, even with around 10.9 million folios, they are still able to garner only close to 1,50000 crores of a year. Mm. When you compare it with someone like HDFC, with less number of folios, it is more than twice the size of what UTI is today. So what HDFC has been able to do is to increase the average investment amount of its folio so in fact if you see so i have given you the decade trajectory of the am if you just compare it with uh, the am that uti had on march 2018 and the am that was 150000 crores and if you compare it with the am that it has currently it is 150000 crores so effectively the growth in the am has been next to zero and if you compare it with a company like hdfc so, so hdfc had close to 3 lakh crores in march 18 which currently stands at close to 380000 crores so HDFC has been able to increase their AUM, and if you compare it with someone like Nippon, so Nippon actually had two twenty crores of AUM on March eighteen, which got reduced to close to two lakh crores currently.
0: Hmm. So the picture does not look that optimistic for UTI. I mean, uh, from a beneficiary kind of view, like even if the industry grows, the chances of UTI being the biggest beneficiary is not there. But you know, one thing that did strike me was that you know how UTI seems to attract a lot of government money. Like for example, in the prospectus also, they've mentioned this UTI recently got the approval to manage 55% of the total corpus of the central board of trustees of the EPF. This is the employees provident fund, one of the biggest funds in India, which is somewhat around, you know, 4.5 lakh crore. It's a big amount of money. And How much of an impact that would make on the revenues going forward is still to be seen. We don't, we don't know that right now, but I mean, it gets a lot of government money. And this is somewhere UTI could grow in the future, like getting money from EPF, the pension funds, and also the company has witnessed some really good growth in the retirement funds it manages. So we're not completely discounting UTI here, but the growth does look, you know, very minimal, like even going forward. We do feel that UTI has to do something very innovative. It has to bring that brand awareness among the youth as well.
1: So UTI, uh, just to clear it out, UTI is in the asset management industry, which includes mutual fund AEM, which is the majority of their AEM, but they also provide advisory services, as you said, on to PF of government authorities. It also advises on NPS Now, the problem with these type of products is these products are very large in AUM, so you'll be happy with such a large AUM, but these don't materialize into any management fees because these are very low yielding products. That is where the advantage lies is UTI will obviously be given a preference over other asset management companies to handle these PF accounts, but will that materialize into anything on the top line or the bottom line? The answer to it is it would not.
0: Hmm, because the, like, even if they get a lot of government money in the, in the sense of EPF and you know, the NPS, but the yield there is so low that, you know, even having a large AUM is not going to matter that much. It's not going to move the top line in a big way. Completely agree with you. Completely agree with him. So our next parameter is customers. And what do you think about the customers of UTI AMC?
1: So, I'll start with the advantage that UTI had. As I already mentioned, it has a very good distribution reach. Now, with that distribution reach comes a large amount of B30 AUM. So, just to uh, give you some insights, the industry, the asset management industry, is bifurcated into two AUM buckets. One is T30 bucket, and one is B30 bucket. T30 bucket uh, signifies the AUM from the top 30 cities, and B30 signifies the AUM from Beyond 30 cities. Now, traditionally, till date, uh, the AM has been concentrated towards the top 30 cities. Mm. Where a UTI has an advantage is it has branches in B 30 cities also. But and just to give context, the AM of UTI has the highest proportion of B 30 AM as compared to other peers. Now, does that materialize into a significant market share? The answer to it is no. So if you look at the B30 AUM proportion, which is close to 4 4 lakh crores, the significant market share goes with SBI, which is close to 21%. Then it goes to HDSE, which is close to 12%. Then comes UTI at close to 8.5%. So even if you see the first mover advantage that UTI had, it did not materialize into it gaining a significant market share, which was eventually gained by SBI at 21%. Moving on to Another parameter uh, for which we classify customers in the asset management industry is by the SIP book. Now, this is very important for all asset management companies. So just to give you a comparison, SIP is considered as sticky money, which stays along with you for a large number of years, be it three, be it five years or whatever it may be. So this gives the asset management companies a comfort in the sales that they would be able to generate. So just to give you a few data points, HDFC has an SIP book size of a 1000 crores every month. Uh, Compared with Nippon it has 700 crores. Now if you compare it with UTI, UTI has close to 240 to 250 crores of monthly sales being generated from SIP. Now this is a major deterrent if you look at for UTI because the average increase into their top line is going to be 240 crores only from the SIP book. And if you compare it with someone like HDFC, it will straight away contribute 1000 crores of uh, SIP flows every month.
0: Yeah, that makes a big difference. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, HDFC has four times the amount of SIP inflows than UTI. And that's, it's going to be a big impact on the top line going forward. And with this, we've covered the customer parameter. We've also, you know, touched upon the industry and the potential of the company and the competitive advantage. But moving on to the quality of management, the CEO of UTI AMC is Mr. Imtiazoo Rahman, who has been with the company since 2003. He has been with the company for a long time. He knows the in and out of the company. So. What do you have to say regarding the management of the company and the strength of the management? What do you think about that? So
1: even before the current chairman, UTI has had the privilege of being under the leadership of people who have gone on to take much bigger roles and have been you know, experts in the industry. Just to name a few, UK Sina went on to be the chairman of SEBI, or Leo Puri, which, who was appointed after a two years gap in the leadership. So there was no one appointed before him so there was a 2 years gap went on to manage uti from 2013 and after he leaving the company there was no one to lead the company for 2 years which led to Inti Azur uh, taking the leadership of the company so uti has been under the leadership of people who have been experts in the industry and who have tried to turn around the fortunes for uti but Somehow it has not materialized into financials and their numbers. So to keep the answer short, the
0: management is something which is of top
1: quality. It is just that it has not materialized into performance.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I like to see while evaluating the management of the company is the managerial remuneration. And like if if in case the managerial remuneration is very high as a percentage of revenue, then that's a red flag for me. And from that perspective, the CEO is being paid around two crores, which is probably below the industry standard. Also, I like to see whether the management has any skin in the game, which means that whether the management holds any shares, which would motivate them to ensure long-term wealth creation for shareholders. From that point of view, as on the date of the prospectus, none of the directors hold any equity shares in the company and they have been allotted stock options, but those options will vest in the future. So, not a lot of skin in the game also.
1: Completely agreed with you, Siddharth. So, the remuneration of two Rose is within the industry standard and not at a higher scale. And uh, UTI has been looking out to give a lot of ESOPs as compared to maybe the directors having their own skin in the game.
0: Moving on to the numbers, you know, we, we'll talk about the financials of UTI AMC and I came across the prospectus of UTI AMC and the balance sheet looks good. Okay. Because the thing to remember here is just for all the AMC companies out there, their business model is pretty good. They don't have to make any upfront capital intensive investments. You know, it's, it's a service company. Like they are just managing mutual funds and it's a pretty asset light model that they have. And talking about UTI AMC, UTI is a debt-free company. It does not have any borrowings. It does not have any loans. It also has a healthy cash balance of around 115 crores as at September, 2019 and the balance sheet size is around 3000 crores of which 70% of it is in investments, in mutual funds, in offshore funds and venture funds. So the balance sheet looks pretty good, but what about the PNL? How does that look?
1: So Siddharth, I completely agree with your point with the asset management industry being an asset light model. So what? this helps the asset management companies is economies of scale. So just to give you an example, I would like to go into the financials of all the three listed peers, which is UTI, HDFC, and Nippon and just give you some insights on it. So if you see the PNL and law for UTI, the revenue has deteriorated. There has been a deterioration of the revenue and by revenue, I mean the revenue from the sale of services for them. It is the advisory fees. This has deteriorated irrespective of it having a large AUM coming from the government and it maintaining its AUM. On on the other side, compared to its peers, UTI has the highest cost to income ratio. Now, remember I told you the asset management companies are able to generate economies of scale. Here is where the economies of scale are generated. If you see the cost to income ratio for UTI is close to 70%. Now, let's compare it with uh, someone like Nippon. It has 50%. Now, let's compare it with someone like HDFC, which commands a premium, that is 25%. HDFC has a cost to income ratio of only 25%. So, this is where the economies of scale kick in. Now, major cost for an asset management company is the employee cost. That is the reason why UTI is not being able to achieve economies of scale. If you look at the employee cost generates close to 62% of its total cost. Compare that with Nippon, it is 48%. Compare that with HDFC, it is 43%. Now, the problem with having such a high employee cost is employee cost is a double-edged sword. In a booming market, it gives you tremendous economies of scale, while in stagnation or in periods of degrowth, what it gives is it becomes a burden on your cost cost side and effectively on the cost-to-income ratio. So, UTI as a company has the highest cost-to-income ratio. Now, going back to the top line, which is the revenue growth, HDFC has been able to increase, uh, have a growth of around 20%, which is in line with its growth of AUM, Uh, compare that with Nippon. Nippon has also seen a degrowth in its uh, revenue margins. So there is where HDFC clearly shines. So if you do a comparison with all the three companies, Nippon has market leadership in the ETF space. Now, ETF space is something which is a low yielding product in itself. Mm. Now if you compare that with UTI, UTI has a lot of government money, which does not generate into any meaningful revenues. Compare that mm. with HDFC, so HDFC has a decent equity to debt mix, which which it is able to translate into growth in the top line, as well as by uh, doing cost control measures and maintaining a sustainable cost to income ratio. They're able to generate maximum amount of equity yield or gross yield as compared to any of its peers.
0: I agree. I mean, because when I first looked at the PNL of UTI AMC, right, I came across very important numbers in like, I'll just give you an example. In 2018, the company earned around 966 crores in management fees. Okay, that number is down to 787 crores in March 20. So, you know, the, the revenue has been on the decline. And I mean, at the same time, this is where the peers have been increasing their revenue. So Nippon, HDFC, AMC, their revenues have been on the rise. At the same time, UTI's revenues are going down. So this is not a very good metric. When you say that you are the largest AMC by asset under management in the country, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're saying in your prospectus that we are the largest asset management company in India. And if you take a look at their PNL, their revenues are declining for the past two years, they, their revenues have been going down. So, Something's not right here for sure. So, uh, so Siddharth,
1: the AUM as I previously mentioned was stagnant. So I'm talking about the mutual fund AUM, which was stagnant and the government money which on which UTI provides advisory has shown a remarkable increase, but it has not materialized into the revenue. A part of it is attributable to an industry-wide change in which the SEBI had uh, curtailed the expense ratio in the interest of investors and the earnings of the asset management industry were reduced. So it had impacted each and every asset management company. But if you see at HDFC, even with this change, they were able to show a growth in their revenues as compared to both the peers of Nippon and UTI, which showed a degrowth.
0: All right. And in terms of profit after tax, I think the company's net profit margins was stable around 32% for 2019 and 2020. But again, you know, the PAT has decreased year on year from 405 crore in 2018 to 276 crore in 2020. So again, you know, it's not a good picture. I mean, the pat is going down. The revenues are declining. Even the cash flows from operations are going down. They're positive, but again, uh, there's been a decline in the cash flow from operations as well. So from a financials point of view on this parameter, Again, you know, UTI, we, we, we are not saying that UTI has not passed this test. But again, compared to its peers, I would say UTI, it has not shined here in terms of its uh, peers.
1: So Siddharth, just to add one more data point, if you compare the quarter one results of this financial year, which are obviously impacted by COVID, HDFC AMC show a degrowth in the revenue by 11%. Whereas if you compare that with Nippon and UTI, they have shown a degrowth of close to 25 to 30%. So mm. that is the impact this COVID has had on the financials of these two companies, whereas HDFC has been able to mitigate the top line impact and has been able to also increase the profitability, if you compare it with last year's quarter.
0: I mean, this is the reason why HDFC AMC commands such a premium, isn't it? I mean, the, the company is trading at around what, 38 times its earnings, but... I mean, it's justified. SDFC has a very robust business model and even COVID, even after, you know, COVID having such a significant impact on all the companies out there, I think an 11% degrowth is is not that much. I mean, it's something which SDFC can easily recover from. So coming on to our last parameter, which is the most important parameter, valuations. And if you're a long-term investor, I think buying the company at the right price is the most important thing for you. So how does UTI AMC stand from a valuations point of view? So Siddharth, to answer your question, uh, UTI has a P multiple post
1: listing at its upper band at close to 26. If you compare that with the P multiple, as you already said for HDFC and Nippon, it is close to 37 to 38. But if you ask me on a personal front, what I see is P is just a ratio. Eventually the price is going to coincide with earnings. Now, how do earnings come? Earnings come from growth. UTI, as I have already given you a comparison, has not shown a positive growth in the last three years. HDFC, on the other hand, has shown a positive growth in the last three years. Nippon, after the sale to Nippon, has been increasing their revenues and has been going on an upper trajectory, at least in, on terms of AUM. So if you ask me the multiple that HDFC or Nippon commands over UTI, is justified because at the end of the day, they are showing signs of growth or even glimpses of growth, which the investor wants.
0: Hmm, That's true. I mean, because uh, a lot of people have invested in UPI only for the listing gains. The, The stock has been very cheap from a valuations perspective. But again, I think the market knows it has valued the company in such a way that, you know, it's justified. They know that the company, you know, it's not very competitive in nature and it's, it does not fare that well against its peers. So I think a 26 time PE is justified. But what do you think? Like, are there going to be any listing gains?
1: So while I cannot predict exactly what could be the listing gains, it could be close to around 10 to 15%. The listing gains could, would not be that much because as rightly pointed out by you at the start of the podcast, the subscription figures were not that great. The gray market premium which is used as an indicator of the premium on listing was also not that great. So to answer your question, the the listing gains would not be that great because the market has already discounted the fact that the growth has been stagnant. In fact, it has degrowth. The profits have not been that great. So from a listing gains perspective, it does not look too promising.
0: All right. And even even from a long term perspective, like people who want to buy the stock from, from a long term perspective, I would say, you know, just watch the next few quarters, like just see how the company performs and see if it can generate decent revenue growth. Like if it can at least get a five to 10% revenue growth quarter on quarter, that would be a positive sign. And for now, I think in the listed space, you would do better if you would invest in HDFC AMC or Nippon AMC, even though they are trading at a very, like, I would not say at a very high premium, but you know, moderate premium that they're trading at. So you would do much better if you would invest in HDFC AMC or Nippon AMC compared to UTI, but you know we could be wrong. We are not experts, and I, I would suggest you do your own research before you make any investing decision. I will end the
1: podcast with saying that mutual fund investors have faced a lot of pain with their recent returns. But at the end of the day, mutual funds sahi hai, and <laughs> and with proper research, mutual fund companies bhi sahi hai. Sorry, I had to use that pun. I had to use that pun.
0: That was a good one. That was a good one. And I I agree with you. Mutual funds sahi hai. And in the long term, I mean, people who are patient enough, who, you know, can hold their nerves for the next 5-10 years, I think that they're, they're going to make a lot of money. It's all about being invested in the market. You know, the longer you're invested, the chances of you making a decent amount of money, you know, creating wealth increases. So I definitely agree. And it's, it's very exciting. I mean, like you said, the mutual fund industry is going to grow from here. 100 lakh crore is a very big number. Let's Let's hope it reaches there. It's going to benefit all of us. And thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, that does it for today's edition of Bazaar. People on the show may have certain recommendations to buy or sell, but don't buy or sell based on what you hear. Do your own research before you take any investing decision. Please go through the financials of all these companies before you take any decision. This is not an investing advisory that we are doing here. And... You can reach out to us at thebazaarpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to know what you think of the show. This is something new that we've done with the show. So if you like what we're doing and if you like this new concept, we would you know, try doing more company analysis in the future. Have a great day and we'll see you next week.